How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. It is The Rob Carson Show. And it's, uh, what, it's already the third. By the way, I did get gotten a couple times on April Fool's Day because I'm the kind of person I like to believe people and, you know, I'm not a cynical guy, right? So I get online and I see the Kansas City Barbecue Society announcing Saturday that they were going to introduce uh, a new tofu uh, category to the World Series of Barbecue, which is the largest barbecue uh, competition in the world. People come from China, or not China, uh, you know, but uh, but from uh, Japan. I actually literally, when I competed a few years ago, and uh, and did very well, by the way, I uh, didn't win. Um, but uh, they, were, they met a Japanese team there, and so I'm like, hook, line, and sinker, what the heck? You, and right mid-tweet, I go, okay. Okay, you got me, you got me. So they got me there. And there was one other. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, it was Emo's Pizza. There's a place called Emo's Pizza out of St. Louis. And they introduced a new uh, menu item, and it was just the crusts of the pizza in a box uh, that looked like nachos. And I was like, what are you? Okay, well, maybe I could eat that. I mean, I love your pizza. But it was a joke. It was a joke. So April 1st, it was, uh, it was just April Fool's Day. I don't know, whatever. It's like a lot of people say that Christmas is a kid's holiday. April Fool's is a kid's holiday, whatever. I just, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Oh, oh, John Fetterman did an interview over the weekend, I guess. I, I haven't had officially seen it, but we kind of wondering where he has been. And then you put that on the heels of, uh, nobody knows where, uh, what Diane Feinstein hasn't really said anything, uh, lately. Uh, Joe Biden's got, uh, dementia, among other things. So we, we decided to put together a little uh, educational song. Jim Gossett did this. Where is Fetterman? Where's John Fetterman? Well, here I am. Here I am. How are you today, sir? The blades don't really work and run and hide. Yeah. Run and hide. Mitch McConnell. Where's Mitch McConnell? Where's Mitch McConnell? Here I am. Here <laughs> I am. Do you have a statement? No, I don't, but thank you. Run and hide. Run and hide. Who else? Where is Feinstein? Oh. Where is Feinstein? Here I am. Here I am. Yeah. Can you do an interview? No, I can't, but thank you. Run away. Run away. 
Saving my own colleagues, say that they don't miss me. Stay gone, Mitch. Stay gone, Mitch. <laughs> that is uh, brand new from, uh, from, uh, uh, why well, am I thinking Mitch McConnell? Uh, Jim Gossett. Jim Gossett, uh, if you want to support him, go to, uh, uh, Patreon at Jim Gossett Show if you want to help him out. But it is kind of funny, right? We've got it. We've got a president who has, uh, uh, a cognitive decline, which never gets better, by the way. When you're 80 years old, it never gets better. You just don't wake up one day. It's like, hey, hey, I know everything. I'm cool. No, no, no. It's, it's not going to get better. That's why I say he's not going to run for president. And also only 24% of Democrats support him. So there is that. But it is, it is I mean, look. Think about how remarkable this is. Remember, remember when you used to watch, uh, I don't know, in Soviet media and, uh, you know, uh, whatever, whatever leader is not seen in public and you're like, okay, so you're left to speculate why that leader is no longer in public. Well, then we got that here. We have a Soviet media covering for a president who has dementia, a senator who has dementia, a senator who was in like in in the hospital for depression for five weeks, then another senator who supposedly fell and oops bonked his head, and we haven't heard anything from him either. And yet nobody in the media is asking the question. We are oh my God, we are so 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 what the uh, Soviet Union used to be. It is just a uh, it is just remarkable. Uh, I do want to get into uh, a little bit more on the uh, the uh, impending arrest of Donald Trump in New York. Apparently, he has already left Mar-a-Lago from New York. And I hope that the police officers in New York will uh, stand in line and salute Donald Trump. Uh, I, I know, and I've heard from many people, the, the, the police department in, in New York is uh, very pro-Trump. And, uh, and it's interesting, and I think that it's kind of funny that the Democrats don't see the irony of arresting him on the date that America's most famous political martyr was assassinated during Easter week. <laughs> it's just like, okay, all right, just let that one go. You know what, just let that be, hang out there. Just just let that kind of just percolate amongst the population that they're doing this on the heels of it being undercover, uh, uncovered that the uh, federal government is lying to you about everything. Just, just forget the date tomorrow and the week that is happening after Palm Sunday yesterday. Uh, former President Donald Trump has enjoyed a 20-point swing his uh, way since January in a hypothetical head-to-head -head Republican primary matchup with Ron DeSantis. This is from Marquette University. Uh, this is Thursday, showed DeSantis leading Trump nationally, um, 54 to 46 among Resh, uh, uh, Trump leading DeSantis, I should say, registered Republicans. Okay, so there's that. And then there's this new uh, post-indictment uh, poll data that uh, President Trump uh, shows that he has an even bigger lead. According to uh, the McLaughlin Group, Trump leading 47% to uh, uh, Biden's 43% and being out in front of uh, Ron DeSantis uh, 51 to 21. So a 30-point swing there. Um, and and I, I I was kind of uh, you know, thinking a way to approach this. And the Democrat Party can do one of two things: if, say, for instance, Ron DeSantis is the candidate or Nikki Haley is the candidate, one, they can and most probably will destroy that candidate. They will destroy Ron DeSantis. They will destroy Nikki Haley. They'll destroy any Republican candidate, or 
the RNC, which, by the way, voted against 85% of Republican voters to keep Ronna McDaniel as the head of the RNC. She is a, uh, 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 nephew, niece of, uh, well, could be a nephew, you know, it's 2023, uh, niece of, uh, Mitt Romney. Um, she, I believe, represents the, uh, the Bush wing of the Republican Party. It's still there. It's still there. So they can either destroy the candidate that the RNC nominates, okay, or they can have a nominee they know will not go after what Trump voters finds is important, and that is under uh, 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 uncovering the deep state and ending the corruption of the swamp. That's number one on the list, by the way. It's number one on the list for Trump voters. And I and I thought about this um, because you know that I, I uh, wrote for Mr. Limbaugh for a number of years, and uh, and have a deep deep appreciation for him as a uh, as a. Uh, philosopher as a uh, political analyst and uh, and a human being, and here's what he had to say not uh, too uh, long before his passing uh, two years ago about Donald Trump. I want you to listen to this. I know they desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified that Trump cannot run again. Because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not. No. They can't separate you from Trump. No. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. This is what I say when I say that Donald Trump changed the Republican Party. There's no going back to the Bush era. There's no going back to the Romney era. No one like Romney will ever be the president. All right? Here's a little bit more from the great Rush Limbaugh. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again, which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump. Yeah. So uh, that reinforces what I've been saying. And that's the first time, by the way, I heard Rush uh, talk about that. But that uh, is essentially what I've been saying, that Donald Trump changed the party. Donald Trump is more than just a Republican candidate. He is an anti-establishment populist in the in the likes that we've never seen before. And that's why he's so remarkably popular. And, and a lot of people say, well, you know, there are, the Democrats think that Donald Trump would be the most easy to defeat, right? They do. And I, and I saw a poll this morning and it said, that, oh, you, you know, sure, while Donald Trump is way ahead of Ron DeSantis in the primaries, uh, the polling shows that Ron DeSantis is the only person who could beat Joe Biden. Uh, to which I say uh, bullcrap, actually. And and if you also believe that the Democrat Party is not concerned about Trump and actually wants him to be the candidate, then why did Joe Biden and the Democrats say this last year about a president who's been out of power for two years and a movement that has not had him as the president in as many years? 
The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic We must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America than the MAGA Republicans are destroying America. What? What? The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. You and 81 million Americans voted to save our democracy. Donald Trump isn't just a former president. He is a defeated former president. Now, this is a, a speech, by the way, that he delivered two years after Donald Trump left power and a good say, five, six months before Donald Trump announced that he was going to run for president again. <laughs> so, I mean, right, doesn't it make sense? What I'm saying here, let's go to Randall in Pacific Grove, California. Randall, what's on your mind today, bro? Appreciate you holding. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I... I have to admit that actually I'm too slow to catch the uh, stupid, <laughs> but I might have an Easter egg for you um, coming up, and that is that uh, I think the majority of law-abiding New Yorkers want Bragg gone, and the majority of law enforcement want Bragg gone, yeah. and a good way to get him gone is to go all the way through this prosecution and have it lose, because after it loses and Trump is victorious, uh, that's going to be the end of Bragg. And then yeah, um, yeah. a couple more things. So you could talk about that off the air while I'm done, but I just want to mention that the KLA is going to The Hague. That's some good news. Okay. The so, uh, Liberation Army, they're going to The Hague for war crimes. Okay. And I just heard that on the news this morning. So that's I'm, not, I'm not a big follower of that story, but I'll take your word for it next. Yeah. And also, uh, I have one thing I want to say about Feinstein. Yeah. Okay, well, remember when they were making them? They made the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the seventy in nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, it had to do with that, uh, you know, the drag queen. Yeah, they were going to cast her, but they needed someone more feminine. There you go. Thanks for the call, Bridget. All right. <laughs> By the way, I I love that movie, and uh, that I guess would show that I. Uh, I'm not transphobic, uh, you know. Oh, uh, by the way, also, um, uh, one quarter of the flood of donations former Donald Trump, President Donald Trump garnered in the 24 hours after the anno announcement of his indictment came in the first, uh, from first-time donors. So Donald Trump, in the first 48 hours of the announcement of indi his indictment, raised $4 million and uh, uh, a gigantic number of those people, one quarter of those people, had never donated to Donald Trump before. This is what I mean when I say it's going to be 100 million people voting for Trump next time because it ain't going to just be Republicans. Let's take a break and come back. Michelle, you hold on. You'll be next. This is The Rob Carson Show. America is still the land of opportunity for all. If we all come together for her, it's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. By the way, the Florida legislature poised to change law to aid a DeSantis presidential run, by the way. So there is that. So you've got uh, people lining up to uh, make it uh, possible for Ron DeSantis to run. I don't even think it's Ron DeSantis. I don't. I really don't. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, you choose who you're going to vote for. That's what the primary process is all about. But uh, there are a lot of people who want Ron DeSantis to run. And I think that uh, there are some people who really want him to be the president. And there are some that would vote for Ron DeSantis because he's not Donald Trump. There, there you go. There you go. So uh, here is uh, Ron DeSantis actually this weekend going after Alvin Bragg. So I give him credit for that, uh, this political witch hunt. You have this Manhattan district attorney who... His whole platform when he got elected 
was that he was going to downgrade as many felonies as possible to misdemeanors. He was going to keep as many people out of jail, even habitual criminals, as possible. Uh, and he was going to go light on all these things as part of, quote, criminal justice reform. So that's his posture. He doesn't want to charge people with felonies. So now he turns around, purely for political purposes, and indicts a former president on misdemeanor offenses that they're straining to try to convert into felonies. That is when you know that the law has been weaponized for political purposes. That is when you know that the left is using that to target their political opponents. And I can tell you this, uh, these Soros-backed DAs, they are a menace to society. They are a menace to the rule of law. Let's go to Michelle in Westminster. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. How are you? How are you today? I'm good. What's going on? Well, uh, many years ago, during Obama's tenure, uh, Glenn Beck did warn us about Mr. Soros. Yeah. Now look at where we are. That's a little bit off my topic. Yeah. Um, I love our country as much as I love my children and my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I will do anything in the world to protect all three. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow yeah. I am going to be standing out at a busy intersection right near my house. Okay. I'm going to be holding a sign that I just sent to you on truth. Great. And it says, if they can do this to Trump, what will they do to you? Yeah. Now, we turned into a bunch of pansies during COVID. Mm-hmm. We cowered after January the 6th. I am calling on every one of my fellow Americans. Stand up, America. you got to stand up. Because I'm watching everything go down the toilet. I can't look at my kids. I can't look at my grandkids and say, I'm going to leave something better for you. Not right now. I can't. My 14-year-old grandson listens to the same stuff I listen to when he's in the shower. I hear him every night because the shower is right next to my office. He gets it. No one is going to come and save us, people. No one is coming in to save us. That is our responsibility to do. And if we don't stand up tomorrow, we are going to be on our knees. Michelle, I appreciate your phone call. I appreciate your phone call. I had a, I, three tomorrow. All right. One and three tomorrow. I am asking, please, hold a flag. Hold a Trump sign. Hold any kind of a sign that comes that says this is wrong. Ask people to stop driving and stand with you. This way, we're not in a group. We're not in this big ass group where everybody can, you know, they can target us. You're not going from far from home. You walk away. You walk from your house to the nearest busiest intersection that has a stoplight, so people can read your sign. 
All right, Michelle, thanks for the phone call. It is about being seen, by the way. I've heard that some people aren't going to go to work tomorrow. Uh, I've heard uh, pilots not going to fly tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be here tomorrow because I have to be here tomorrow. I have to uh, keep delivering the message. You wouldn't do me any good to turn off the microphone for a day, particularly on the day that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated the week of Easter. Yeah, Democrats don't get irony, do they? Let's take a break and come back. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Proud to serve as the iceberg to the SS Titanic every day. It's the Rob Carson Show. For those of you who saw my TV show this weekend on Newsmax, got some great feedback on the show. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World. And wasn't it nice to just have Newsmax back on DirecTV at 349? Just really, really nice. This is uh, Newsmax Today reporting. Uh, an ABC poll, 55% of Americans don't support the Trump indictment. Here's Joe Takapina uh, talking about the indictment. He is Trump's lawyer. And he was hoping that that rule of law would have prevailed. I'm sure they'll try and get every ounce of publicity they can from this this thing. Uh, the president will not be put in handcuffs. Um, as far as the mugshot's concerned, perp walk, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm sure they'll try to make sure they get some, you know, joy out of this by by parading him. I'm not sure what kind of joy that's going to uh, bring anybody or what good it really does. But uh, John Tillman is on the Newsmax Hotline. He's a National Review contributor, CEO of the American Culture Project, an organization that attracts education, uh, educates and mobilizes independent voters around the ideas of freedom and opportunity. He joins us on the on the hotline now. John, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Rob. Great to be with you. It is kind of an interesting uh, day tomorrow, and uh, I, I wouldn't uh, make the comparison if it weren't so obvious uh, that tomorrow Trump is in, going to be arrested on the date that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and uh, Easter week. I, I, I wonder if this is uh, they're so oblivious to the historical significance of tomorrow's date and this week, or they literally are maybe trying to send a message <laughs> that uh, you don't mess with authority. Did you suppose this is by sheer accident? I, I, I take nothing that happens that seems coincidental <laughs> as coincidental anymore. I think it's all some sort of uh, subterranean plan. And the, the, the indictment of a former president candidate for the office once again in American history is unprecedented and just reflects how far the left is willing to go to suppress not Trump, but the American voters who either support Trump or believe in policies that are broadly speaking conservative, though they may support DeSantis. That's what this is really all about. Well, it is. Uh, when you think about it, this is a truly, it should be very obvious on the face of this that it is weaponizing the DOJ, considering the only other president to have been arrested was Ulysses Grant for riding too fast on a horse. I'm not kidding. That's, 
that's true. That, that's one hundred percent true. He was stopped by an officer, and and uh, and he was arrested for riding too fast on a horse. So that's what makes it even more over the top absurd. They raided Mar-a-Lago for the first time in uh, U.S. history. A president's residence raided. Nothing has come out of it. Joe Scarborough said it was because of nuclear secrets, which you know was a lie. And now we've got this happening tomorrow. Um, and I'm looking at polls today that show that Donald Trump has got a 26-point lead over Ron DeSantis. I'm seeing that uh, Donald Trump got $4 million uh, donated to his presidency, his campaign for president in 48 hours, and 25% was from first-time donors. Uh, it sounds like this is all backfiring, John. What do you, what do you think? I think it all depends on which version of chess the Democrats and the prosecutors are playing, because it, does it backfire in the sense this helps Trump become the nominee? Or is that actually what they want, is Trump is the nominee and not Ron DeSantis? One of the arguments that you can make is that uh, DeSantis or somebody else besides Trump might be a better candidate to run against a very unpopular Biden administration, and that that candidate might actually be able to knit together a broader coalition and win significant majorities in the House and Senate, whereas Trump, on the other hand, would be easier to beat for the Democrats because he tends to divide the center-right coalition, and he will not have theoretical, this again, a theory, uh, as big a coattails in the House and the Senate. So I think that's what's really interesting is that are they doing this on purpose to elevate him for the nomination, or do they think they're destroying him? Well, I, I'm trying to figure it out. I brought this up because you know that Joe Biden's uh, literally went and gave a speech in front of uh, Independence Hall, where he called Trump and his supporters MAGA fascists and enemies of democracy. Now, if they were um, uh, so unconcerned about Donald Trump becoming the candidate, why all of that? Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's another uh, countervailing argument. Uh, and again, going back to the 2022 cycle, the midterms, they said all of that about Donald Trump and that Donald Trump supporters and aligned candidates were all going to bring fascism to the United States. And ironically, of course, it's the radical left that has actually become more fascist in terms of the actual definition of that term. But they, they supported financially all kinds of aligned Trump supporters, helping them to become the nominees in the end because they thought they were going to be easier to beat in the general election. So I'm sort of of this, uh, I subscribe to the idea that Democrats actually think Trump is the nominee as, as opposed to DeSantis being the nominee. That's what I think they're trying to do by doing this. Well, I think uh, that we will agree to disagree because I think the deep state is <laughs> terrified of Donald Trump. I lived in D.C. for a dozen years. I know uh, they they have quite a uh, monopoly on uh, power, and they also we send people, uh, you know, every year to or every couple of years to Congress or the Senate, and they essentially have become board members on a five or six trillion dollar company, and uh, they divvy up the company money to their allies. And I think that uh, it should be fairly clear with regard to the pandemic and with regard to a number of, of different uh, think green energy and all of this, that our money, uh, they just use our money for political payoff in D.C. And it's been very, very rich. It's been very, very rich. And I do believe there are very, very powerful forces in Washington, D.C., Republicans and Democrats who have marshaled their forces against Donald Trump. That's that's the feeling I get. Well, that I agree with. There's, there's no question in my mind that everything you just said is, is just so obviously true. The only thing that brings establishment Democrats and Republicans 
there's two things that have brought establishment Democrats and Republicans together in the last uh, 15 years. The Tea Party brought establishment Republicans and Democrats together. The Republican establishment hated the Tea Party because it was a mechanism of political accountability for the Republican establishment's failures. And, of course, Trump, who took the reins of the Tea Party when it was starting to ebb a little bit and brought new life to it. Because the, the point I would make in agreement with you on this, irrespective of, of Trump and what's going on with uh, this indictment, is what Trump revealed is the truth of the bipartisan cooperation of the elites governing against the actual interest of the American people, broadly speaking. And the failure of elites in this era is as stark as we've ever seen, whether it's the incredible out-of-control debt and spending, our uh, failing to uh, build our defense structure and intelligence structures to actually ward off enemies from outside, as opposed to turn those structures toward our own citizens. Time after time after time, Trump has been the one that exposed it, and that is why I think uh, you're right about the fact that there's unity of opposition to Trump and where the Never Trumpers came from. You have uh, written a piece in uh, National Review, Will the Democrat Union Complex <clears throat> Reconquer the Midwest? And you speak this uh, you from the perspective of, uh, of someone who lives in Chicago. <laughs> yes, we were, the most radical union, government union in the country is the Chicago Teachers Union, openly uh, socialist, uh, Marxist, and elsewhere, and, and other more radical uh, belief systems than we would think are, are part of the American system. Uh, they have put up, the Chicago Teachers Union has put up a candidate, one of their employees, named Brandon Johnson. He is now in a runoff with a more traditional Democrat nominee, Paul Vallis, Democrat versus Democrat in the city of Chicago, and that election is tomorrow. And this will determine wow. whether the Chicago Teachers Union will control the city government of Chicago or whether we will have a chance to see a reform-minded Democrat uh, actually start doing some things that need to be done in Chicago to turn the system back to being for the people rather than the powerful interest of unions. And the unions, the government unions in particular, Rob, are the most one of the most powerful forces in the radicalization of oh, the yes. left. They, uh, Teachers unions put more hard dollars into elections than anybody else. And in general, they're the nexus of political power, um, monetary power, and activist power to try to control the commanding heights of the American government and American culture. And that's why they need to be opposed at every step of the way, including in Chicago. Now, when Lori Lightfoot was uh, defeated, uh, did that send shockwaves through the Democrat Party, particularly those really left-leaning supporters of uh, people like Brandon Johnson? Um, yes, it definitely sent shockwaves, I would say, actually, to the establishment Democrats, what I would call pro-business Democrats that actually still do exist in the city of Chicago. I think also it really brought home and made people realize just how naive the sort of reform-minded Democrats and uh, moderate businessmen in the city of Chicago were as to Lori Lightfoot's governing ability and her ability to compete with the machine. We now defer to the government unions with the Chicago Teachers Union as the new political machine in Chicago. Chicago yeah. you know, had the last long-term remaining political machine. And the new machine in politics nationally, and the nexus of it is right here in Chicago, is the, the teachers unions and the government unions more broadly. They are the center of power more than ever before, whereas that's not true anymore with private sector unions, though they still remain quite powerful. Well, and uh, I just read this new statistic. I believe it was at a hundred and some odd schools in Illinois, uh, mostly in Chicago. They have almost zero children with uh, the uh, uh, who are who are uh, capable of uh, basic mathematical equations and understanding English as well. So schools are failing completely, and the teachers' unions clearly don't care about the children they're teaching. All they appear 
appear to care about, and I think I can actually say all they care about is uh, getting Democrats elected, getting their coffers stuffed with Democrat money, and then stuffing Democrats' election campaigns with money to get them reelected. That is most certainly true of the leadership of the Chicago Teachers Union, the radical uh, part of the Chicago Teachers Union rank-and-file membership. What is encouraging uh, is all those teachers who actually do care about the children, who don't care about politics and did go into teaching for the right reasons. Many of them have filed a lawsuit against their own leadership to try to stop the Chicago Teachers Union for u- from using union dues for these political purposes to elect their own member to the uh, to the mayor's office in Chicago. So there is actually dissension within the Chicago Teachers Union and a, a small minority, maybe 25, 30 percent of their membership is rebelling against this radicalized a Marxist leadership that currently runs the union. And I think that is the beginning, I hope, of a long-term uh, revolution within government unions where those who actually just want to serve the public well and not be politicized the way that has been going on here in Chicago John, and elsewhere. Uh, yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how kids can fall anymore, John. I don't know, particularly kids of color. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they can fall anymore. Dear God in heaven, when are we finally going to say we've got to save the next generation, particularly children of color in cities like Baltimore and Chicago? and East St. Louis that for literally now going on three generations, three generations of murder, mayhem, gang membership, Democrat failing. Dear God in heaven, how much more higher does the body count have to be in, in places like Chicago before people say we've got to do something to save our kids and we've got to start with schools? I'm hoping that tomorrow we'll get a result that will show that we've reached that point and the voters of Chicago will reject that pathway and reverse it to a place where the parents are back in control of their children's education, the communities in control of the children's education, and we actually start putting in the reforms necessary to save those kids' lives. That'll never happen if Brandon Johnson prevails in tomorrow's election. Yeah. In have you heard any, have you heard any uh, polling for uh, tomorrow between uh, Vallis and, and Johnson? I have heard a lot of polling, depending on who you talk to. Some say it's a dead heat. Other polling has Vallis up by five points. We're down to about 7 or 8% undecided. Okay. Many votes, of course, have already been cast uh, in early voting and vote by mail. The early returns on that actually are somewhat favorable to Vallis. But yes. uh, this is Chicago, so we never know until all the votes yeah. are counted once or twice. Yeah, and it takes a while for those votes to get from the cemetery to uh, the counting as far as Democrats are concerned. And I, I half joke, but you know exactly what I'm talking about with the city of Chicago. It's always been corrupt with its uh, unions. It's, it's even a punchline among the Kennedys in the 1960s. Uh, it is corrupt. That is exactly right. And the question, the question is, which side of the Democrat alliance will have control of the election process, the radical Johnson supporters of the CTU or the old party machine? We will find out. Yeah, I, I appreciate your time today, John. And I would vent, I would just say to those who uh, are in Chicago that uh, if you vote for Brandon Johnson, you are sealing the fate of a generation of children in Chicago schools. I'm just going to say it. I believe you'd be a fool to back uh, that candidacy. Paul Vallis is still a, a Democrat, but uh, it, it apparently is not going to go down that road. And and nothing will get better for the kids in Chicago if uh, Brandon Johnson is elected. Uh, John, where can people find your work, my brother. Obviously, you uh, contribute to National Review. Yep, and uh, the, one of the websites we can find our policy work and our advocacy work is amculture.org. That's American culture, amculture.org. And you can also go to illinoispolicy.org. I'm chairman of the Illinois Policy Institute as well as among others. Oh, by the way, uh, I love me some Chicago deep dish pizza. I'll just throw that out there. 
and I consider well, it pizza. Rob, if you come to Chicago, I will buy you the deep dish pizza of your choice. Just let well, me know I, you come into town. Trust me, I, I've been to all of them in Chicago. <laughs> Thanks for the call, <laughs> man. I, pre- I appreciate right, your time. Take Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. Opinions are easy. Entertaining? Not so much. It's the Rob Carson Show. Oh, did you watch the CMT Music Awards? It's the Country Music uh, TV Award. I'm not a country music guy. I like twangy old country music. I like that Willie Nelson style, you know. I like uh, Hank Williams style and Patsy Cline style. That's what I don't like this, uh, you know, man, I feel like a woman. Get kick. Sorry, I don't like that uh, contemporary country. Uh, some of it's okay. Garth Brooks, you know. But uh, anyway, so the CMT Music Awards went woke. There's a, a Kelsey Ballerini stood in solitary with drag queens. Uh, yeah, yeah, this happened apparently. So country music uh, singer Kelsey Ballerini opened the CMT Music Awards with a tribute to victims of the school shooting while sharing uh, in that community's grief, then danced alongside drag artists uh, as uh, states across the country consider limiting uh, drag show performances. So to me this is, and, and it's not about sexism, it's not about uh, transphobia, it's not about whatever, but, uh, you know, there are some things, you, you know, you, you probably want to stay in your lane. Right, I think I think most country music fans uh, they give a rat's behind less if somebody wants to dress up like a woman. It's like okay, whatever, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Just leave me alone. Keep it out of my kid's school. But then they also throw in the gun control with the country music audience. That's genius. That is, I mean, I can't think of anything better. This is the best thing that that has happened, honestly. Uh, then, uh, they, remember when uh, KD Lang uh, did some ads for PETA saying you shouldn't eat beef. To country music fans? Yeah, what did that do to her? Yeah, yeah. What did getting woke do for the Dixie Chicks? You remember the Dixie Chicks? They decided to get rid of Dixie because uh, George Floyd got murdered. That made a lot of sense. My God, you people are stupid. So anyway, she uh, she had the uh, this uh, this woman, uh, Kelsey Ballerini, gets up there. And she has drag queens on the stage. And then immediately, uh, uh, you know, espouses gun control. And uh, there you go. So uh, <clears throat> her, her home state of Tennessee was the first place to uh, strict limits on drag show performances, which were set to take place this month. So this is uh, this is uh, pretty remarkable. <clears throat> now you consider uh, country music. I'm assuming probably has a similar demographic to NASCAR, right? I mean, let's just be honest here. I, I know these are my peeps, right? I mean, I grew up in a, a Southwest Iowa, and uh, I have no—I'm not a racist. I've—I've—I've I've, I've dated women of color. I know, crazy, right? But uh, you know, I uh, know—I know about these people. They drink Bush Light. They like NASCAR, and uh, they don't make a habit of going to drag shows. And they certainly don't want their children being told at age four that they're the opposite gender. Uh, but you'll recall what happened with uh, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace bought into a fake hate crime. There was a loop in a rope that they always use to open and close a garage door, but somebody said, oh no, that's a noose, and even though Bubba Wallace had spent his entire life starting to drive, you know, go-karts as a four-year-old to his uh, preeminence uh, as a NASCAR driver, and he decides, okay, I'm going to be down with this, because NASCAR people who support NASCAR are racist. And and they even even did a, a, a lap around the one of the one of the uh, tracks with all these NASCAR uh, racers uh, in support of this this act of racism that never happened. So what do you suppose this is going to do for the uh, the uh, country music r- awards? And by the way, Grammy winner Shania Tra- Twain was given the Equal Play Award, recognizing her for being a visible and vocal advocate for diverse voices in country music. 
at the CMT Awards, which will probably have lower ratings uh, than the Oscars did this year, if that's possible. Okay, so we're going to come back. We've got a whole bunch of stuff locked and loaded, ready to go in the final hour of the Rob Carson Show, 800 if you want to chime in. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Final hour of the show. It is Easter week. Yeah, on this date, what? Uh, not 2023 years ago. It was actually... Uh, 1,990 years ago, right? Because uh, Jesus uh, died on uh, his 33rd year on the planet. But he was uh, he was brought up on some uh, trumped-up charges, and uh, he was perceived as a threat to uh, the, those in positions of authority. It's kind of weird that this week is happening the way it is. And, and I kind of also wonder, and, and I don't, by the way, make comparisons uh uh, of of uh, uh, those of us who are of flesh uh, to uh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, but the story is kind of similar. And, and oddly enough, uh, Donald Trump is being indicted on the day of the assassination of the premier political martyr in our country's history, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, followed or basically uh, tied for number one with Abraham Lincoln, both killed by Democrats. I know, it's kind of uh, kind of weird how that happens, isn't it? It's kind of weird how that happens. But anyway, welcome to the show, the final hour. Um, here's a number if you want to chime in. It is 800-922-6680. A little bit more on this Trump indictment, a little audio from Jim Jordan coming up. But first, a little music and number. Little song and dance. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. That Jim Gossett. You gotta have something if you're coming after Trump. Bragg is the Democrat's hero, but he's got zero. Nothing but a big fat chum. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something something. if you're gonna go to Trump. Ah, just make it up. How can you get a conviction? I don't know. When it's pure fiction, your case is a semen pile. Yeah. <laughs> nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Alvin's got nothing. This case is fake. The jury has to be knowing that Michael Cohen is nothing but a lion snake. So this weekend, uh, it was exposed... Alvin Bragg got a, a million dollars from George Soros through a uh, another uh, political action committee to get reelected, and uh, Democrats are all Glenn Kessler. He he said it was a lie, and uh, it's nonsense. Of course he was. Of course these these prosecutors were elected with the money of George Soros. It started the plan. We're not stupid. We get it. But did you know that Alvin Bragg's political donors include numerous donation mules and at least one prominent business in India? Did you know that? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Uh, and this is happening all over the country. You may recall that last week, uh, James O'Keefe, who is no longer with Project Veritas, he has his own group. It's called, uh, what is it, uh, O'Keefe Media Group, which is OMG. <laughs> and... Uh, one of Bragg's biggest donors is the co-founder of DMI Finance, a company based in India, an individual. And uh, the address, by the way, for that individual uh, is an active listing on Zillow. Now, here's something kind of interesting. 
Washington State analysts, uh, the latest group to discover thousands of illegal election donation mules donating millions to Democrat Pact Act Blue. Now, this is what O'Keefe, by the way, uncovered. And isn't it kind of funny that 2,000 mules also delivered votes to unmanned ballot boxes in Georgia? And it was a, there was a movie about it. And, and to know how they found those people? They used the same technology the FBI is using against January the 6th protesters. I know, I know, it's kind of crazy, right? So uh, these, uh, these people are making thousands of donations, adding up to millions of dollars, by, uh, and they're being made by unemployed Americans to Democrat politicians and liberal PACs. Some of them don't even know that they're being used. Yeah, it appears Democrats are running this uh, operation in every state of the union. It's a giant donation scandal involving thousands of individuals and tens of millions in illicit donations. Now, Bill Brook and uh, investigators in Washington state have identified tens of thousands of illicit donations from donor mules in the state of Washington to Democrat candidates and PACs. For instance, a now a not employed Bellingham man donated 2,274 times to Act Blue in one year after expanding the fields from uh, uh, 117 to 122. Da, da, da. Anyway, um, if you uh, uh, look further into this, uh, sorry, I've got a bunch of uh, paper in front of me. A not employed Seattle woman donor uh, somehow donated 9,189 times in one year, 2021, uh, from the uh, 1st of January 2021 to the last day of 2022. Altogether, $63,000. Another uh, person, not employed woman in Clayham County, donated 1,791 times to Act Blue and other Democrats. Why would you vote? Why would you uh, donate that many times as an individual? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Here's a, a not employed Seattle man donated 2,184 times to Act Blue. Here's another not employed individual. Same time from January 1st, 2021 to 1231, 2022, not employed individual recorded 558 donations to Raphael Warnock. It's just kind of funny. And, and listen to this. The numbers do not add up. Add up. Uh, as an example, per the FEC website. In Clayham County, Washington, between 1121 and 1231 there were 1,455,000 political donation donations made. The problem being is that in Clayham County, there are about 7,800 total residents, uh, 78,000, meaning that every man, woman, and child averaged about 19 donations for Democrats. So try to tell me that uh, the election process has not been completely bastardized and is completely corrupt. And, by the way, I thought I might mention that Democrats have been saying uh, for a very long time that we have no election fraud in this country. And if you believe that, you also believe there are no bank robberies in America. Let's go to uh, James in Albuquerque. James, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Yeah, a couple of things real quick. Uh, nothing's going to change in Chicago. I mean, the, the communist Democrats are, regardless of who wins that uh, for mayor there, nothing's going to change. They'll get to the Democrat. It's a Democrat. We've got to remember that. They're too strong. They will change this person, and they will force them to do what they want to do, the communist Democrats. Uh, second, I like every... Uh, I'm, I'm calling for a boycott against any commentator that is a conservative commentator on TV or radio to boycott any information that comes out of the view. Do not make them relevant. They're a bunch of idiots there. So 
I, I well, I'm upset yeah. with that. That they bring, make them relevant. They keep no. them on the air. And well, I know, James, but, but James, but James, but James, no, 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 no. Let me finish my thought here. You got to let me talk too. I, I host Go the ahead, show. I'm sorry. I, I, I just didn't if you know. um, I only play View uh, Audio because uh, they're buffoons, and I like to make fun of them. Go ahead next. No, I know that. Nobody, nobody leaves my show and goes. I gotta watch the View. I don't. I, I could care less what those idiots say. Uh, what I do want to say is with uh, uh, two smart people that I've been paying attention to a lot is Rick Grinnell and Sebastian Gorka. Rick oh, Grinnell yes. said this. Rick Grinnell says for every Republican running in the primary, because politics are not the same today, and they're not the same of the past. He said for every Republican trying to get the nomination for the Republicans in the primary, drop out right now. If you're a true conservative, if you're a true Republican, Drop out. We all get behind Trump, and we got to push him forward because the politics of today are not the same with the past. So in this cycle right now with what Trump is going through and what's happening in our country, if we want to win in 24, we got to get behind Trump and these other politicians that are trying to get the nomination, drop out right now. And I truly believe that Rick Grinnell and Sebastian Gorka are thinking exactly the way I, as an American citizen, they think like I do. They know what is destructive out there, and they have all the right things to say. And the politicians, if they don't listen to Grinnell, which is the same thing like I think, and uh, millions of Americans in this country, if they don't listen to that, we're not going to get anywhere because James, that's what uh, the people want, not the politicians. James, let me ask you this because I, I made this point uh, weeks ago, and I was gotten uh, some people jumped on my butt about it uh, because they think you're a tool for Donald Trump. And no, 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 no. Um, there's a reason why I'm voting for Donald Trump. Okay, it's not to exclude anybody else. It's that. I know why I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, okay? And uh, that's not going to change. Uh, you know, there are uh, if historical figures that could run who are dead now, who could run. I'd say, no, you know what? I'm not going to vote for Lincoln. I'm going to stick with Trump. I can go on and on. But I believe that if the RNC attempts to foist or, or put their elbow on the scale to a candidate other than Trump, I believe Trump voters will say, screw you. We'll just create the MAGA party. Or we won't vote. What What do you think? No, they're not going to create a MAGA party. It, this This There's a two party system: Democrat and Republic, uh, Democrat and Republican. There's only a two party system. That's who only wins in the presidency. And I said this the other day to I've talked to several people. I said, look, the biggest threat in the United States right now is the Democrat Party and the media, which is part of the Democrat Party, and. Uh, the independent voters, because it's a two-party system, the independents have some pull, but you got to only vote for one side or the other. Yes. And and the rhinos, those are the three biggest threats in our country right now. Yeah. And and I don't think we need to change to have a separate party. You just got to get behind the conservative uh, uh, voters who are, you know, we're, we're Republicans. We have to be registered as Republicans. That's what needs to happen. We don't need to change anything else. And when people say, well, you're just, you're just backing Trump uh, for this and that, well, for one thing, he already did all the right things for the people. He was giving the government back to the people. Uh, in my lifetime, that's the only politician in my lifetime in any part of politics has said this government belongs to you. 
not the politicians. James, James, you just said it. That's the kernel of truth. He is the first presidential candidate I have ever voted for that did what he said he was going to do when he got to D.C. And you just nailed it. James, i got to run, though. I appreciate it. We have to back him and, and, and get behind it because he's already done it. Right. Regardless of tweets and what he says, everybody yeah. has their own personality. Who I'm not voting yeah. for personality. And, and I've asked this question to a lot of people. I said, do you vote for personality or do you vote for policy? Because policy means what we need to do to keep this country from the get-go of the 240-plus years that we have in this country. We don't want to lose this country. Yeah. We can't vote for somebody's personality. Otherwise, we're, we're done. All right, James, i got to run. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, and here's another thing. Um, uh, Donald Trump uses the line, I am your retribution. Now, you're thinking that means vengeance, like the trans day of vengeance that was going to happen last week that was canceled because, you know, they're violent. Uh, people want the swamp drained. That's it. Uh, Donald Trump uh, went to Washington, D.C., and for the first time in my entire life, after countless Republicans have served, Donald Trump made Jerusalem the capital of Israel, recognized by the United States government. Every other Republican or Democrat has paid lip service to that and never done it, and he did it. You know what else he did that was pretty amazing? And I say this because I've, I've always been pro-life, and I found out that I'm not only the product of an adoption, I'm adopted. My mother was raped. I found that out. Donald Trump said he was going to appoint Supreme Court justices to get rid of Roe v. Wade, a monumental task. And it happened. That means a lot to people. Those three things. Did what he said he was going to do. Roe v. Wade. Jerusalem. Those are huge. Those are huge. All right. Let's take a break and come back. I got a little bit more from, uh, from uh, Jim Jordan. And then we'll move on to some other things as well. 800-922-6680. This is the Rob Carson Show. In the 60s, we had LBJ. Now, we have FJB. It's the Rob Carson Show. If you missed my TV show, Rob Carson's What in the World, <clears throat> or you've never heard of it, <laughs> uh, just go to NewsmaxTV.com and go to the shows, and you'll see uh, What in the World there. And uh, the archive of the shows is there. And I think you're going to enjoy it. It's uh, I use humor to make a point. Uh, the show's getting a lot better. Um, we are hoping to expand it. And uh, just go to NewsmaxTV.com uh, and go to uh, Rob Carson's What in the World, or just you know DVR it on your uh, <clears throat> on your TNV. And uh, you know, of course, we're on a variety of different platforms. Uh, uh, back on, by the way. Uh, back on uh, DirecTV at Channel 349. Real quick, McDonald's closed all of its U.S. Uh, offices and canceled in-person meetings this week as it prepares to lay off corporate staff. This is not good for the economy, kids. And i got to tell you, I'm a McDonald's fan, all right? I go to McDonald's, and every morning when I go to McDonald's, I, I, I see my uh, the favorite person who works there, Carolina. Carolina is a wonderful person, and I bought her a Christmas present, you know, and everything, because she's a, a really nice person, and, and I appreciate all the kids who are still willing to work at McDonald's. I think McDonald's is great training for any kid to become a leader, to, to just, just to get there on time, be at work when you're required, etc. It's great. It's a great company. McDonald's has temporarily shut down all their U.S. offices to prepare for a massive layoff. This is not good. 
Uh, I'm not exactly sure what is driving this. McDonald's employs about 200,000 people around the world in corporate roles and uh, company-owned restaurants. In a letter to the staff, the CEO warned <clears throat> the company had become unfocused. And I, and I agree uh, to some degree. It says here, for instance, we had across the globe 70 distinct versions of what a crispy chicken sandwich would look like. I don't need 70 different permutations of the chicken sandwich. And have you ever noticed, yesterday I go to McDonald's with my daughter, and, uh, and we got uh, lunch. And normally I don't eat a lot of McDonald's, I just get my coffee. But I decided to have a McDonald's cheeseburger. And, uh, and, and you know what, I, and I took a bite and I said, you know the amazing thing about the McDonald's cheeseburger? And she took the words right out of my mouth. Because I was going to say, because they taste like a McDonald's cheeseburger. And she said to me before I said that, because it always is a McDonald's cheeseburger. You know what you're going to get, and it's glorious. There ain't nothing wrong with a McDonald's cheeseburger. It's just you know exactly what it's going to taste like. It's have tasted the same way since you were a child, and it's still there. And they have tried to knock it off with a bunch of, you know, whatever. And a few things kind of catch on and stay around like those McGriddles. My God, those things are evil, but they're fantastic. But they largely stick to what they do. And I'm going to tell you, if this corporate restructuring, stick, restructuring in any way, shape, or form messes with the French fries, there's going to be hell to pay. There's going to be hell to pay. <clears throat> Oh, you know what we need to do? Let's do a uh, Who Caught the Stupid update. For those of you who are new to the show, uh, I say something at the end of my television show. It's called Don't Catch the Stupid. And the reason being is there are some things that are so patently, obviously stupid that don't, 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 uh, don't let that get past you. All right? So the world's deadliest virus happens, and somebody says that if you stand six feet from somebody, you'll be fine. But if you're five feet, you're dead. See that? And then I said... <clears throat> doesn't make any sense. And I say that you, if you believe that, then you've caught the stupid, you see. And there are a lot of ways. There are myriad ways to catch the stupid, like this example. Stupid, 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 people, 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 people. Just play stupid. Stupid as stupid does, Miss Blue. Who caught the stupid? So uh, Massachusetts school superintendent candidate said his job was rescinded after he addressed two women on the school's committee as ladies. A greeting... <laughs> They determined to be a microaggression. <laughs> God in heaven. You can't say ladies and gentlemen anymore. I wish I were kidding. That's the stupid that I was talking about. The only inoculation for it, by the way, this show. I know it's marketing, whatever, anyway. So anyway, uh, this guy, Vita Perone, was offered the position as the head of East, ha uh, East Hampton Schools March 24th, but he said the opportunity vanished when he used uh, the perceived slight in an email to the chairperson and executive assistant where he called them ladies. Hey, ladies! The candidate reportedly claimed that uh, this candidate told him that using ladies in the uh, missive was hostile and derogatory and told him the fact that he didn't know that as an educator was a problem. Now, this uh, the school, school superintendent candidate, Vita Perone, said his job offer was revoked after the address of the women as ladies. He said, I grew up in a time when ladies and gentlemen was a sign of respect, not an insult to anybody. So, uh, yeah, lost a job because apparently you can't say ladies, uh, ladies, uh, or as the Beastie Boys said, hey, ladies, that's the stupid I've been talking about. 
Uh, all right. On the other side of this break, some uh, listener mail. Also, Coca-Cola produces $2 billion worth of cocaine every year. I'm not kidding. That's coming up on The Rob Carson Show. has been waging a war on America for decades. That's not right. It's not fair. And we're quite simply not going to take it anymore. Honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. You remember that story about Coca-Cola having cocaine in it? Remember that? Well, it did. And you know how I know this? Listen to this. Coca-Cola produces $2 billion worth of pure cocaine every year in a secretive New Jersey factory. Not a secret anymore. Uh, All thanks to the iconic recipe uh, and a very special arrangement with the DEA. This is according to the uh, UK Daily Mail. The New Jersey plant receives up to 500 metric tons of coca leaves every other year or every year. Uh, No other company in the U.S. is allowed to import coca and make cocaine. After decocainizing the the leaves for syrup, the narcotic is sold to Big Pharma for things like uh, uh, using on your teeth when you you need to deaden the, uh, the tooth. Yeah, did you know that? <clears throat> so $2 billion worth of pure cocaine is manufactured by Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, all I have here, it says here, they, they asked the president of the company to comment, and uh, all we heard was the sound of a gun cocking and the words, say hello to my little friend. That's what I, actually that didn't happen. But that's uh, yeah, they they literally use coca leaves in the Coca Cola, but uh, the law prohibited them soon after they started making Coca Cola with cocaine in it <clears throat> from uh, from uh, from having cocaine in your Coke. So there you go. <laughs> I just I know I know I know. It's just kind of nuts. I, I do want to, before we uh, go to uh, the phones here real quick, Michelle, you hold on. Uh, obviously, tomorrow, uh, Donald Trump is supposed to be arrested in, uh, in New York. Uh, I said a couple weeks ago, I said on the day that we found out that Donald Trump was to be uh, arraigned or, or at least indicted, that go ahead, arrest him. And uh, we've been through a, a kind of an emotional roller coaster. I think since since then, people have been very uh, irritated by it. I want to mention something real quick. Uh, clearly, the left in this country is trying to incite us. Okay, there have been no uh, no internet chatter. <clears throat> There's no uh, push by uh, MAGA voters to commit any acts of violence. We don't do that. The left does that. Okay, the left does that. They had a they had a trans day of vengeance planned, and they canceled it because they said, "Oh yeah, anti trans groups or hate groups, they were going to cause violence." No, no, no. The trans day of vengeance was going to cause the violence, but they will try to uh, poke. And what I would recommend is, if you if you're in New York or uh, wherever. That uh, if you're in a pro-Trump uh, uh, rally, get your phone out. Be ready to be a citizen journalist. Uh, 
Uh, there was some video going around about these guys who claim they're some sort of a white supremacist group. They wear khakis and, and white shirts and masks over their faces, and they say that they are uh, pro-American Trump supporters. And they're feds. They are feds. They, they're there to get uh, a video. Everybody gets it. Everybody knows it. They have these fake chants that nobody... If, if they were indeed chants for this group, then people would have heard them. But they make them up on the scene. And, and I would encourage you, if you see activity like that, get with friends. Just surveil them. Follow them to their cars. <clears throat> get a license plate number. Don't confront them because, you know, you never know. But, but clearly there are people who are uh, bad actors trying to do the same thing that they successfully did on January the 6th. They, they infiltrated the crowd, broke in or let in people to the Capitol, and then inside, once the Trump supporters were in, no damage whatsoever. Explain that to me, kids. Explain to me why Jacob Chansley was just released 14 months early after videotape exonerated him of the charges. We have people in our government <clears throat> who literally put Jacob Chensley in prison, knowing they had exculpatory evidence. You have the same thing happen to Donald Trump with Alvin Bragg. Two weeks ago, we found out 600 pages of exculpatory evidence withheld from the jury. So what did they do? They came up with 34 or whatever nonsensical charges, hoping that one would stick. I hope and pray that Alvin Bragg goes down in history as the most corrupt DA in U.S. history. And I hope that he is for the rest of his life. We remember, like, uh, I know Samuel Mudd, should have, his name should never have been used. Uh, because my name is Mudd. He assisted John Wilkes Booth. He reset his leg. He was a doctor. Samuel Mudd didn't know that John Wilkes Booth had shot Abraham Lincoln. He just fixed the guy's leg. Uh, with Alvin Bragg, he is, this is a political hit. And I hope that uh, your name is Mud will be replaced by your name is Bragg. Here is uh, Jim Jordan talking about Alvin Bragg and uh, the fact that there are more uh, uh, Republican um, uh, attorneys general in the country than Democrats. And that could spell all sorts of problems if you want to play this game. The DOD wouldn't bring the case. The, that Cy Vance, the previous district attorney, would not bring the case. Even Alvin Bragg himself, even though he campaigned on going after Mr. Trump, uh, President Trump, when he gets elected, he decides not to bring the case. Then two of his assistants resign, pitch a fit, get the left all fired up. And maybe most importantly, President Trump announces he's going to run for uh, president. And then suddenly he no! changes his mind and comes forward with this indictment uh, this past week. I know that's hard to believe since the FBI wasn't involved trying to throw the they were involved trying to throw the 2016 election with the, the Steele dossier. And they covered up Hunter Biden's laptop in time for the 2020 election. But don't think that has any impact on Alvin Bragg's case. No, it absolutely does. So uh, th that is, I think, why we have the questions we do and why we've asked Mr. Bragg to sit down with us and answer our questions. And we expect that he will do so. Uh, but we'll find out what I what I think is most important. Everything is on the table because the American people deserve answers to why a district attorney is doing what I think Kim Strassel in her piece pointed out so clearly, crossing this Rubicon, doing yeah. something that has never happened in the history of our great country. You know, it's kind of weird also the timing of Alvin Bragg's indictment and considering what happened on Capitol Hill. I don't think it's an accident that the same week we learn that the IRS knocked on Matt Taibbi's door while oh. he's testifying in Congress, that same week is when we learn a district attorney is going to, a left-wing district attorney, a Soros-backed district attorney is going to go after the 
former president of the United States. I mean, th- that is a scary thing. They, they paid a foreigner. Think about this. They paid a foreigner to put together a fake dossier to spy on President Trump's yeah. campaign. The FTC sends letters to Twitter demanding who are the journalists you're talking to. And then, of course, when Matt Taibbi is testifying, the IRS is knocking on his door. And now an indictment of a former president. And by the way, uh, when uh, Barack Obama was president, the IRS shut down the possibility of patriotic Republican Tea Party uh, organizations from getting their 501c3 effectively censoring them before an election. This is why retribution is important. This is why draining the swamp is important. We're seeing right now the culmination of decades of election interference, of deep state absolute corruption, including spending our money to pay off friends. It's all coming to a head right now. This is a seminal moment in our history where we finally say enough with sending trillions of dollars to Washington, D.C., where they only pay off their friends and enrich themselves. Do you see why this is important now? Let's go to Michelle in Baltimore. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Thank you. What a setup for what I have to say. I mean, I was going to talk about three-chord Monty and the shell game, because that's what they're doing on a global scale. Our friends, the Democrats, so-called friends. I think that I look back to when uh, the economy was going well and Trump was about to run for president, and all of a sudden there is a leak from a lab, or maybe it was live bats in uh, Wuhan. No, no. Mr. Fauci was clearly in league with Obama and all his confreres, and this is the time. We don't want Trump to win, so we're going to engineer this. It's going to be a worldwide pandemic. People are going to die, and it's going to be, be blamed on Trump. So that's step one, okay? Things were going too well. They would not have been able to win. We saw that without the pretend stoppage at 10 o'clock at night. Number two. We Michelle, saw- Michelle, 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 hold on. Let me interrupt real quick before you go to number two. Mm-hmm. I said when 2020, the summer was happening, I said 2020 was 2020 because it was 2020. Okay, next. Next. Next is, uh, let's say it was Afghanistan. He didn't know that Bagram was the ideal place to, to have to stage a, uh, having the, the troops withdraw. Of course he knew. This was purposeful, an opportunity to, to arm uh, all the people who are anti-America, give China a leg up for starting uh, more problems. And so that's why he did that. I don't say that he may have done it, may have been Obama and his confreres, but it was done. Millions. I wonder how many millions uh, Joe Biden got for Bagram. It's got to be pretty high. Okay. I'd like that. Thank you. Number number three was all of a sudden with Zelensky, we thought he might have been a good guy because remember the call that he had with Trump after he took over. Well, suddenly there's a delegation of... uh, of uh, Democrats who go over there with Nancy Pelosi, and as far as I know, no Republican whatsoever. And next thing you know, they're getting lots of money to Ukraine. Now, we know that that means it's an opportunity for the Democrats to fill their pockets. But if we back up one minute, uh, where did they get the, the sign to go? They got the sign to go from uh, Joe Biden, who said, well, it depends on how much of an incursion the Russians make on Ukraine. That was a time to go, boys. Let's go. Time yeah. to invade. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Uh, that's Michelle, uh, and that's um, that's actually brilliant of you. By the way, you should have your own show. Uh, I mean, really, honestly, you do. You you put your thoughts together. They're they're brilliant. Um, I got but, one more. I've got one but, more for you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. This Finish was it. the reason I called. <laughs> yes. Schumer comes out with a statement 
applauding the bipartisanship of the Republicans and Democrats that they ended the declaration of war against Iraq. Wait a second. When in history will it happen that Republicans and Democrats are going to join together to have a new act of war against Iraq? It's not going to happen. This is a get-go to Iraq to say any time you want to invade, whether it's Israel, the United States, or both, or whoever, we're not going to be able to get a, a congressional legislation against you. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I had to say for today. Michelle, brilliant. My God, what a mouthful. Holy heck. <laughs> I do appreciate and, and it. And this, wait, I've got one more point. I want okay, to real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. last one is... This is all a setup for the election, because if there's World War III, and that's what I think they're working towards, they want World War III, the Dems, because if there's World War III, they're not going to be able to change the president. It's going to have to be a Democratic president, because you know you don't change president part, presidential parties in the middle of a war. That's it. All right. Thanks for the call, Michelle. Uh, you know, that wartime president becomes very popular, but uh, I'm not... But, uh... This is why I'm concerned about the country, but I refuse to be afraid. We can't be afraid. We've just got to be ready to fight, okay? Uh, At the ballot box, uh, with political donations, uh, in public, uh, in peaceful fashion. We cannot be afraid, but we have to be willing to fight. Let's go to Byron in Baltimore. Byron, welcome to the show, my friend. What's on your mind today? Thank you, Mr. Carson. I appreciate you taking my call. I vaguely remember back in the days of the Obama regime, a statement being made over the radio to the effect that they bought millions of rounds of ammunition for, of all things, the Social Security Administration. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, what in the name of creation do they need ammo at the Social Security Administration? And there was not much said about that, and that was the end of it. Fine. So today, when I hear you saying that the left... Once more, I've heard this many times, it's trying to instigate something amongst the conservatives and the Republicans and so forth. I thought to myself, that's it. They're trying to set up another version of TMN Square. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to mention this real quick, Byron, and I appreciate your phone call. And I remember being asked, uh, asking this question when I lived in Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, Barack Obama bought 1.5 billion rounds of ammo for Homeland Security. All right. And he did. He stockpiled ammunition while he was the president, the DHS. We also know that the DHS, by the way, uh, literally created a Department of Disinformation to censor speech. Byron, at this point, I wouldn't put anything past them. Uh, but I'm going to tell you again that we've got to be ready to fight for our country. Uh, we've got to do it at the ballot box. We've got to do it by turning off the mainstream media. We've got to do it by showing our support publicly without violence. And if somebody does try to commit violence, expose them. Expose them. I appreciate the call. i got to run, though. we got to take a break. This is The Rob Carson Show. Joe Biden's first year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. By the way, if you'd like to write me, I have a new email. I need to promote this more, and I apologize. I just, uh, you know, I get easily distracted. Is that a squirrel? <clears throat> Carson at Newsmax.com. There you go. Carson at Newsmax.com. Here's one. Actually, it's an organic email to our anchor station, WCB in Baltimore. WCBM, which is one of the best talk radio stations 
ever. I listen to their morning show every morning as show prep. Uh, they are spectacular. Uh, anyway, so it says here, Dear Mr. Carson, I was searching for a new uh, show to listen to temporarily and remembered that I used to listen to WCBM. Much to my surprise, when I reconnected with the Baltimore station, I was very happy to uh, find that you had your own show. I have always enjoyed listening and watching you on Newsmax television. Thank you very much. Uh, previously, but did not realize you had a show much more local to my home in Frederick, Maryland. Lovingly returned, uh, referred to as Fredneck, Maryland. I, I know this because I love me some Frederick. It's, and when I was drinking, uh, the, uh, the brewery, the Dogfish Head Brewery, oh my God, best beer ever. <clears throat> So, since I found your show and the other more preferred programming, I will not be listening to the old radio station. In my opinion, yours is the best show on radio. I'm doing this without being paid, by the way. I'm just reading this. I didn't pay this guy or anything. He's not even related to me. I miss Mr. Limbaugh very much and was never quite satisfied with the noon to three shows offered by other stations. I assure you, sir, that I will now remain on WCBM from now on. There was only one rush, but frankly, sir, there was only one Rob Carson. Most people thank God for that. And I am grateful to have the opportunity to listen to you uh, on Newsmax and WCBM in Baltimore. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and this is, uh, you know... This is a new show. Uh, those of you who've been listening since we've only been syndicated for a year and four months, and we're growing, and and we've uh, gotten into different markets. So, you know, we're in Albuquerque and uh, and all over uh, New Hampshire and all over uh, Nevada, and I mean, I can go on and on. I can't get to them all right now, but we're adding uh, radio stations. W O R in New York has added us. They're dipping their toes into the show on the weekends, and uh, and people are discovering that um, the the show uh, walks in the footsteps of Rush Limbaugh, but will never fill his shoes. That's what I've said. I'm not Rush. I'm never going to be Rush. My comedy was my comedy on the Rush Limbaugh show. And I let him use it. I was glad to do it. It made uh, uh, him, he enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. I never asked for money. I just said, I'm just glad to be on a show with 26 million people listening every week. But there will never be another Rush Limbaugh. All I can do is pay a tribute to his legacy and create my own show, which is what I do. Oh, oh, Alejandro Mayorkas was on 60 Minutes this weekend. And uh, he said three times that there is no border crisis, even though we all know there is a border crisis. And uh, here is the audio from that appearance on 60 Minutes. I didn't play the Marjorie Taylor Greene stuff this morning. Didn't feel like it. Here's Alejandro Mayorkas. The chief of the Border Patrol, Raul Ortiz, testified before Congress that some areas of the border are in a crisis situation. Do you agree? I think that we face a very serious challenge in certain parts of the border. Do you view what's happening right now in the border as a crisis? I view it as a significant challenge. Why won't you say the word crisis? You know what? Because I have tremendous faith in the people of the department. I hope that he retires soon so he can devote his entire schedule to finding the precious. I really, because he loves that precious. I've seen him. He, uh, he loves that precious. Uh, but it, it, it like, it, that likened me to uh, uh, Norwegians and dessert. Uh, the, the, you know the line about Norwegians and dessert? They'll offer it to you three times. And you can deny, but they'll keep doing it. It's like, you want some dessert? Oh, no, thank you. Are you sure you want dessert? No, no, thank you. You know, this dessert is just going to go to waste here if you had it. You know, I'm cool, and they'll keep doing it. Uh, but they're, uh, you'll, you'll have none of it. So uh, there you go. 
Let's take a break, come back, and wrap up this edition of the show. Stick around. All right, guys, remember, violence only comes from the left. Don't let anybody push you toward it. Just walk away. Pray for our country and pray for Donald Trump, and I will see you tomorrow. And until then, don't catch the stupid. See you.